When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, presented by Star Market. I am Ty Anderson, joined as always by Dale Arnold. Dale, welcome back. Nice to be home. Trust me, it's really nice to be home. I wish we could end it differently than it did, but nice to be back and nice to be talking hockey with you again. You missed a uh, hell of a week for the Bruins, too, for the most part. Yeah, I missed two games. I got back for Saturday's game, and uh, you know I've been here since since the Saturday game. I did miss the two. I missed the loss to Anaheim, which was not that good from everything I've been told. It was very bad. And then the Thursday game uh, I missed as well, where you know things got back on track again. Yeah, it was. It was all things considered, it was a good week. We talked about Brad Marchand missing the week with a suspension. Uh, yeah, they go four and one. You'll take it, right? You'll take it. Nine four times and out one of 10. with an awful performance against Anaheim. I mean, if if they play to the standards we've been used to, probably go five and zero oh without Brad Marchand. Absolutely, and I think Anaheim is almost Washington Capitals West now, where you you, you just expect them to lose. It'd be great if they got a point, but a loss you're almost expecting at this point. It seems. Yeah, it's probably true, but they gotta they gotta get rid of that crap. I mean, if they are truly one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And I know the NHL.com power rankings that came out midweek, they're the, they're the top team in the league. If I believe they're one of the best teams in the league, they can't have a team they can't beat. Mm-hmm. You, you can't have a Washington Capitals where, oh, well, if we play them, we're done because we can't beat them. Or if we play Anaheim, we're done because we can't beat them. Uh, if you're one of the best teams in the league, you're one of the best teams in the league, and they need to play like that no matter who they're playing. Yeah, and it's funny because I walk away from this week and now I'm starting to buy in. I'm starting to, I mean, I was buying in from the beginning. Where the but hell now, you been, for God's sake? I'm trying to buy into the actual idea that this team is really, really good and that this team could be a third-round, fourth-round team. And, and I think it's actually legitimate. I, you know, I, I want to say to you, please talk me out of this team being a Stanley Cup <laughs> finalist because it's hard for why, me. What, why would I do that? I uh, I, Friday night we were flying home from Minneapolis and uh, ran into Mike Milbury in the airport. We were on the same flight coming home and had a little delay, so we— uh, Went off and had an adult beverage together and talked to some hockey. And, and Mike said to me flat out, uh, the folks at NBC truly, honestly believe that the Bruins are one of the two or three teams to beat for the Stanley Cup. Not to, you know, a deep run of the playoffs or anything like that. He said, people at NBC think this is one of the teams to beat if you want to win the Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And I, w- I would agree with that. And I go back to that Saturday game against, against uh, Toronto here where they – made Matthews disappear. And I know Matthews wasn't feeling that well. It was the third game in four nights for the Leafs. But they made him a complete non-factor. They make everybody disappear. It's unbelievable. Look at how they've done against John Tavares of the Islanders. In my mind, one of the handful of best players in the National Hockey League. And, and he disappeared against the Bruins. Austin Matthews, as you pointed out, great young player. Great young player. The Bruins, to use your phrase, and it's a good one, made him disappear. They are so stifling defensively and yet Bruce Cassidy has taken the, taken the binders off and, and, you know, they got rid of that god-awful D-to-D pass. You know, you get the puck now in the defensive zone, you're expected to either make the pass out of the zone quickly or carry it. Get it out. You know, stop looking, you know, east-west in your own end. Look north-south. Uh, so, so they're better in that regard, but in their own end, 
they're still tough to play against, and they they play stifling defense. The forwards buy in. The forwards come back. This isn't just Patrice Bergeron who does this. This is every single forward on the team looks at the way Bergeron plays and says, you know what, i got to play like that too. And, of course, as always, it starts with goaltending, which is the one thing I notice on my Twitter feed. It's the one thing people are still saying. You know, when I pointed out, well, this was before Tampa Bay played last night, I pointed out they were one point out of first place in the NHL with a game in hand. And what I got was a lot of, yeah, but I'm not buying. Uh, Goaltending isn't going to, goaltending will fail like it always does. Tuca will cough it up like he always does. I understand people's feelings about that. I just look at the way Tuka Rask has played since November 26th, when he hasn't lost a game in regulation, has been the best goaltender in the National Hockey League. Let me repeat that now. Not one of the best. The best goalie in the NHL. I've seen it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it every single night. Now, if you want to predict that two months from now he's going to suck and, and fall into a cave, feel free to do that. I know what I'm seeing right now, which is the best goalie in the league. Absolutely, and I think especially when you're talking about that first month and a half of the season there where he couldn't stop a beach ball. And we yeah, but it wasn't just him. He wasn't good either, and you're no. right. He wasn't good. But they were hurt, and I know I kept telling people October, November, they'd say, why does this team suck? And I'd say, this isn't their team. You know, they had too many guys hurt. They had too many guys who were out. There was a, a terrific piece. I give DuPont credit. He wrote a terrific piece about Bruce Cassidy. And Bruce Cassidy said the turnaround point of the season for this team was a, uh, a team meeting that he had in, in Los Angeles where he had, he, he had got pissed off about how they played against, I think it was Anaheim. Naturally. And, uh, you know, didn't play well against Anaheim, just looked awful. He had what he described as a, a very hard-nosed film session, started with a defense, brought the defenseman in, read them the riot act, then brought the rest of the team in, read them the riot act. They bought in. Now, Tuca lost his next regular season game after this come-to-Jesus meeting in L.A. The Oilers was against game. Edmonton. Yeah. He played fine. Team mm-hmm. still didn't quite get it yet. The garbage team performance, I remember Absolutely. That team. team was awful. And, you know, he wasn't great, but he was good. He was okay. From that point until now, they've been lights out. Absolutely. And I think it begins with that goaltender, and I think... With Rask, it's the whole idea of he doesn't have to carry this team anymore. He Three years ago, he had to carry the team, and his salary became under fire because of that, and that wasn't a good team. You know, this is a good team, and now that they found a way to not only protect him in terms of the chances that are against him, at the same time, they, they find ways to get him rest with Anton Hudobin, who's been a great relief reliever, basically, for him in a lot of ways. He's performed well above what I think we expected out of him. So... I do think that's allowed them to sort of have Rasp be back in that 55 to 60 game comfort zone and not the 70 game that would burn him out against, you know, a team like Ottawa in the first round last year. I think that it was fair that towards the end of the season, Tuca got burnt out. And, and this happened again and again and again. And this year they've done a way, they found a, a way to avoid that happening so far. And well, it's an easy could... how they found a way to avoid it happening. Absolutely. Anton Hudobin. Yeah. That's how they found a way. Anton Hudobin has become the perfect backup goaltender. You go back to that Rangers game Wednesday night where, you know, Bruins were playing second game in as many nights, all that all that stuff, and they looked like it in the first period. And they were bad. He was great. Absolutely. He kept them in. Then they got their, their skates under them. And from that point on, it was kind of, you know, I could have played goal. You could have played goal. But in that first period, they needed a goaltender to be great. And he was. He allows them to be very judicious now about how much Tuka Rask plays. And to your point, 
they can look at the schedule going forward. I think the latest uh, playoff percentage that I saw on Hockey Reference, the Bruins have a 100% chance of making the playoffs, right? Pretty good odds. Pretty good odds. They and Tampa Bay are the only two who have a 100% chance of making the playoffs. So again, they can be very judicious here. And, And my guess is that Bruce Cassidy and his assistant coaches and Bob Asenza probably have laid out the rest of the season, the, the rest of the regular season. They've probably got a pretty good idea right now which games Tuca's going to play, which games Ant- Anton Hudobin's going to play, and they're going to make sure that when they do get to the playoffs in early April, their starting goaltender is going to be ready to go. Absolutely, and I think they have to because you look at that March. I think it's I think it's sixteen or seventeen games in the month of March, and then you also have that makeup game at the end of the season there, which may or may not get played. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not convinced they're going to have to play it, uh, and if they do have to play it, what you're going to see is a whole bunch of guys who are going to be auditioning for spots on the roster for next year. You're going to have top line Austin Zarnick. You might see Ryan Donato's NHL debut or something. Now, that's a player that's interesting because we saw the bean pot, and now he's embarking on the Team USA, he's playing for the Olympic team. You know, I've, I've, I've seen this out there. That Pierre Maguire, I think, is one that's been sort of spreading it, that he is going to turn pro and join this team before the end of the season. Well, that's, that's my theory. Really? You yeah, think that that's could my happen? theory. That's, I, I wasn't making a joke when I said, maybe you'll see Ryan Donato's NHL debut. You might see Trent Frederick's NHL debut that, that day as well, if they end up having to play this, of this makeup game. Uh, you're going to see an interesting lineup. My guess is by that point, the Bruins' playoff position will have been very solidified. Oh, absolutely. I don't think they're going to be you know, battling it out. They'll know that they're the first or the second seed in the East by then. And I think they're going to use it as an opportunity. I, sorry, Patrice. You can come watch if you want, but don't leave the ninth floor. Uh, you know, Patrice and Zdeno and Marshand and Krejci. You're going to see a lot of interesting names in the lineup if they have to play that game. And I'm not going to be surprised if you see some guys get an opportunity to show on the big stage if they're ready to make another step. And I, com- I almost want that at, at the same time. Looking back at last year, Brandon Carlo gets injured in the last game of the regular season. You miss your, your top pairing yep. your, your top pairing right side guy for the entire playoffs with a concussion. I want to avoid that as best I can. So I'm with you. Wrap these guys in, in bubble wrap. Put them on the ninth floor and say, game one is your first game back. I know you don't want to do that. but I, I do. I, I think the way that the playoffs are shaken out, especially in the Atlantic, it's the worst division in hockey. You know, I really do think that you're going to be able to do this. I was saying last night that, or the other day, that this team could clinch by the first or second week of March based on how bad this division is and, and given the, the sort of the clearance they already have in the playoffs. Yeah, what they're going to be fighting for is first overall in the NHL. Obviously first in the East and first overall in the NHL. Now, you've got to decide if it's worth it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to look at it strategically. If you're, you know, Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy – you know, is it worth going balls to the walls to clinch first overall? Or are we okay finishing second? You know, is that matchup just as advantageous? And by the way, there is not a matchup that I think the Bruins have to try to avoid. Even Washington. Really? I don't because, as I said, if, you, if, you, if you've got a team you can't beat, then you're not the best team in the league. That's true. If, if you've got a team, oh, I don't know if I want to play them, well, then you've got no cup aspirations. Yeah. And if you play like that, if you think like that, I think you're defeated before you even start. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was talking about this. I, I would almost prefer them to be in the number two in the East just because I think if you're the number one, you run the risk of facing a team that's white hot he- heading into the playoffs, which, if again, if you're in Again, that, I don't care. Really? No. Pittsburgh doesn't, care, it doesn't scare you in round one? Well, well, take a look at what you've got. That's true. What's your team? And again, they talk about this a lot, and I give them credit. Cassidy says this all the time. We worry about us. Mm-hmm. And they're in a position. This isn't like the last few years where you're scrambling, trying to get into the eighth spot in, in the East and hoping you get a playoff spot. This is a team that everybody else 
has got to be looking at and saying, geez, do I want to play this team in the first round? Uh, Again, if if you're looking to, uh, I don't want to play this team. Oh, I want to avoid that team. Well, then you're not a cup contender. If that's the way you're thinking, you're done. And I think if you're someone like me who worries about everything, I think that this past week and a half has to give you some encouragement in the sense that they are now absorbing teams' best shots. I think that's a real thing that teams are now getting up to play the Bruins. You saw that with St. Louis. I think you saw that with Toronto. And the Bruins are handling it. They're finding ways to sort of rise to the challenge and, and answer the bell. I think I think their response against the Blues after that Anaheim game was very telling for this team in a lot of ways because it really was sort of a, okay, now it's gut check time. It's another heavy team in your building. The same week, two days after your streak came to an end, how do you respond? And they answered the bell perfectly. What was Bruce Cassidy's line uh, when they beat St. Louis? We got sick of losing. Yeah, got sick of losing. Yeah, because they had one regulation lost in, <laughs> loss in the last month and a half. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I know I'm sort of you know, playing a broken record here. They are where they are for a reason. And I know it's hard for Bruins fans to wrap their arms around this, and apparently it's hard for you too. They are one of the two or three best teams in the NHL period. And, and there are a number of reasons for that. You know, we've talked about the goaltending. They're veteran players. Zdeno Chara, man, I, if I'm Don Sweeney, I signed Zdeno Chara to a contract extension today. And I think they're working towards that, by the way. Yes. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is a legitimate Hart Trophy candidate. The Selkie's done. They've probably already engraved it. He should be a legit Hart Trophy candidate. And I don't want to hear about this. Well, he's not in the top 20 in scoring. Use your eyes. Absolutely. Use your freaking eyes and take a look at what he does night in and night out. I have never, and I've watched pretty much every game Patrice Bergeron's ever played in a Bruins uniform, I've never seen him this good offensively. The shot, the release, uh, the way he can, he can get the puck to the net, uh, it, you know, he's always been the great defensive forward. We know that. Best defensive forward of his era. Now you're starting to hear people talk about legitimately, well, you know what? Maybe this guy is an MVP. You know what you're also starting to hear now? He's sort of making a case for Hall of Fame down the road. That's how good he's been. You've got Marchand, who if he can get his head out of his ass and, and stay on the ice and not be suspended. Let me just interject here about, about Marchand, okay? If he gets another one, he's getting 10 to 20. Which would suck for this team. I'm dead serious. Yeah. If he does it again... He's getting 10 to 20. That was the message the NHL sent with Alexander Burroughs. What they said to Marchand, and they may have said this explicitly to him, by the way, when they gave him the five, they may have also said to him at the same time, but the message with Burroughs was, you do this again, you're getting 10 to 20. You better get your head out of your ass. You better figure out that you need to be on the ice. Every time he does one of these, I think he's finally learned his lesson. I've always been wrong. He better have learned it this time because if he does another one between now and the end of the season, he's going to screw this team. Absolutely. And I love what Cassidy said before the Rangers game where he said that they're trying to keep some of those elements into his game because it makes him an effective elite scorer. But he has to realize at the back of his head, okay, I'm an effective elite scorer now and I can't do this. The elbow to the side of the head was not one of those things they want to keep in his game. No. Stop trying to make excuses. I don't say you are. Yeah, But don't make excuses for that shit. Yeah. It was an elbow to the side of the head that he didn't have to throw. He didn't he wasn't trying to defend himself or any of that crap. Yeah. He threw an elbow to the head and gave the guy a concussion. And then Burrow said, Hold my beer. And then he and then he threw some MMA. Let's let's get let's get this out of the way about Alexander <laughs> Burroughs. He is a chicken shit hockey player. Oh, absolutely. There is no other way to put it. There are there is no redeeming quality to Alexander Burroughs game. At least in Marshan's case, you say, look, he's a chicken shit hockey player at times too but at least he can play 
Mm-hmm. Tell me what Alexander Burroughs does. Because I got nothing. Nothing. I mean, if you go back to 2011 where he's trying to bite Patrice Bergeron, not trying to, biting Patrice Bergeron's fingers. Yeah. This guy is a predator. He is a punk. And, and I'm glad they gave him the 10. He deserved at least the 10. I'm glad they sent the message to him. I love what George Peros is doing. You know, he's the, he's the discipline guy now. And this is a guy who's been the subject of some discipline himself in the past. He knows. He watches what Burroughs did the other night with the, the knee to the back of Taylor Hall's head. And he says, there's no explanation for this. There's no, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. Stop with that. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to hurt a guy. I want those people out of the game. And by the way, if Brad Marchand continues to try to hurt people, he's going to be out of the game for a lot of games. And he means a hell of a lot more to the Bruins than Alexander Burroughs means to the Ottawa Senators. And with that in mind, I did like Brad Marchand's response game against the Rangers. It was good. It was, it was a good. It, I think in that team, they, they, they kept the foot on the gas the entire way. Once they chased, it would have been easy for them to go into a shell once they chased Lundqvist, but they, they started going to Andre Pavlik. They got two more goals. It was a blowout win. And I think that your top line was back to being your top line. Their third period was incredible. It seemed that the puck was on their was on their sticks for the entire third period. Every shift they had out there. So now the Rangers suck. Okay, I mean oh, they're I, so bad. They're, and and I, I don't know that I've ever seen what I saw Jeff Gordon and Glenn Sather do this week, where basically they hold a press conference and send a, a letter out to all the season ticket holders and say our team sucks and we're about to blow it up. Please forgive us, but a whole bunch of players who you like are now going to be gone. Now Henrik Lundqvist isn't one of them. I think everybody else is fair game. I, I think they would listen to offers for every player on the team with the exception of Lundquist. And they're bad. I mean, they're hurt. I understand that. They've had a lot of, of injuries. But they're also bad. Uh, I, I even think they're going to wheel Ryan McDonough out of there. And he's the one guy. If I'm Don Sweeney, that's the guy that I'd like to poach off that roster. That was my next question. I was going to say, were you doing any window shopping watching that game? Yeah, not Rick Nash. And I know that's the other name that everybody's talking about. Um, I, he's okay. Uh, he is real hot and cold. When he's Absolutely. on, he looks great. When he's off, you know, he looks awful. Ryan McDonough's the one guy. Uh, you've got him for this year and for next year at a decent term. I think it's 5.6 five, million. I mean, I, I'd live with that. I'd be willing to give up legitimate assets for a guy like Ryan McDonough. That might be the only guy off that roster that I'd be really cranked up about trying to go poach. And you also have to wonder, look, I think the Rangers don't have a choice. they got to wheel whoever they can to whoever they can. So it's not this, well, would the Rangers deal with the Bruins? Hell yeah, they would. Yeah. If you had the best offer. Yeah, so I do wonder what the headlining piece of that package would be. I mean, I would have to assume that you'd have to move some salary off your blue line. Probably Tory Krug. I, I think that'd be a starting point off because the salaries almost match in a way that you can yeah. make it work financially. Uh, and then you're talking about you'd have to probably give up one of these Danton Heinen, one of these Jake DeBrusks. Yes. That, that is a huge— You would. He's a huge— And, and, and I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm just saying he's the one guy I'd have to at least look at. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Heinen and DeBrusque. Uh, the Bruins rookies have more points from the rookies than any team in the National Hockey League, and by like 20. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're <laughs> way out in front. Danton Heinen is the fourth leading rookie scorer in the National Hockey League. You know, you, you look at some of these other young players and how they've contributed, and, and it, it was the one bright spot from all the injuries at the beginning of the season. They didn't have a choice. The, maybe Bruce Cassidy wouldn't have played these young guys as much as he did early on, but he didn't have any other options. So it was like, here, we're going to push you off the dock. Let's see if you can swim. And they did. They swam. And, and you can tell the confidence that they have. Every game, every time they go out on the ice – 
you know, I, I have no issues putting young players out on the ice. The, uh, the game on Saturday night, Bruins are protecting a 3-2 lead late. No, it was, excuse me, it was in Detroit. They're protecting a 3-2 uh, lead late. They'd already given up a goal with the goaltender pulled by Detroit. Tim Schaller's on the ice in the final 30, 30 seconds. Now think about that for a minute. That's a guy that Bruce Cassidy puts faith and trust in, and he says, look, you go out there and help protect this one goal lead in the final 30 seconds. I loved that move by Cassidy. And he's done that other times as well. They'll stick Heinen out there when it matters. They'll stick DeBrusque out there when it matters. Uh, I, I love the play they've gotten out of their young players. Matt Grizzlick, I don't care if he didn't have a point. He is a legit NHL defenseman. Now, he's not a top four defenseman at this stage of his career, but he basically forced them to keep him by the way he played when he got up here. Absolutely, and I think those dominating sort of third-pairing shifts, they can go a long way for this team. I think when Krug first came in and he was that third-pairing guy, it really changed what the top four was able to do, and it let them be more effective and focus on their roles as well. And I think Grizzlick, you know, he adds another left-side element that, that this team has sort of needed, I think, behind Krug, that especially when it comes to Cassie's system, playing that north-south game like you talked about earlier, you need a guy who can begin the breakup from the left side that isn't Tory Krug. You know, Chara does so much of the defensive work that it's, it's almost unfair to ask him to say, hey, you got to do this as well. So if I was going to trade a young defenseman on this team, I would try to make it Brandon Carlo. Yes. Oh, absolutely. He's the guy I'd be willing to part with tomorrow, you know, in the right package. I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm trying to get rid of this guy, but I'm saying if, 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 I'm, if I'm trying to acquire Ryan McDonough, and I know I've got to put a couple of pretty good players together to do that, the young defenseman off this team I'm willing to, to wheel out of here tomorrow is Carlo. Would they, would they want Grizzlick instead? And would you be willing to, to include Grizzlick if that was the case? I'm trying to avoid Tory Krug in the package if I can. Yes. Because he's got offensive skills that not many defensemen, well, no defensemen on this team have. And, and that's a good thing. Carlo's a guy who I think has probably, I, I think I've seen his peak. Like, I think I've seen what like Brandon Carlo is. And the offensive game has regressed to the point where it's it's non-existent at this point. Like you see, you see him with the puck on his stick, and he looks like he's overmatched. I think in all facets, all possible ways. And I don't know if that's a great fit for this system. Even you're seeing this with with Miller and McQuay that they've tried to incorporate offense into their game. And they'll never be forty-point guys, but they're taking the chances. When Carlo has it and he takes a chance, I get a little worried. I think that it's going to go the other way and end up in the back of the net. By the way, and you talked about Miller and McQuaid, and and we've talked about this with Chara this year. And I'm sure you've noticed, I've certainly noticed, Billy Jaffe, Barry Peterson talk to me about it all the time. Have you noticed how those guys skate now? It's a lot better Have than Have you noticed the difference in Zdeno Chara's skating game, how much quicker he is? Have you noticed the difference? When Adam McQuaid came back into the lineup, he looked like a different defenseman back there, the skating part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the shot blocking, the willingness to, to fight, that stuff's always going to be there. He will always put his body on the line. He will always step in to help a teammate, as he did in New York the other night. But I've never seen McQuaid skate like this before. And Kevin Miller has some of the sneakiest offensive skills from the, from the blue line of anybody on this team. He's got a shot that when he unleashes it, you go, holy crap, where did that come from? He can skate much better than people give him credit for. That's probably the single biggest difference under Cassidy is just to see how mobile this defense is. And it kind of plays into the way the forwards are. I mean, I I know it's hard for Bruins fans to to grasp this or even accept it. 
The Bruins are one of the fastest teams in the NHL. I never thought I'd ever see the day. And I'm watching it. Night in, night out, they are one of the fastest teams. Now, they don't have a guy like Connor McDavid. Neither does anybody else, by the way, but Edmonton. But as a group, an entire, you know, 18-man segment out on the ice, they're as quick as any team in the league. And you've seen that with David Backus has lost weight. Uh, for, I mean, he did it first. Some he wanted to, some yeah. he didn't. Uh, but but he's done that as, an, as an, in an effort to get quicker and be faster out there with with the rest of his line mates and the rest of the team, given the style they want to play. And I think when going to your point about Kevin Miller, I love what he's on the right side for that exact reason because I think when he activates, he's a sneaky offensive threat from from in the attacking zone as a, as a defender. So I like that's why I love that Grizzlick sort of emergence, if you will, because that allows Miller to play on the right side where I think he's more of a threat yep. in the offensive game, and, and he has a good one-timer. When he goes down low, he can make things happen too because he's a bull along the walls. You know, and I think that's a big thing for this team in a lot of ways. And, and Miller, you know, speaking to his, to his game, if you will, he works out in the offseason with Adam Oates. He works with some skill coaching uh, through Oates, and he tries to get better and, and quicker because he knows where the game is going. All these guys know where the game is going. They understand that they need to be this, this, these type of players in order to succeed. And I think that that message, it's not falling on deaf ears, clearly, as we're seeing. And as uh, I said, they're one of the quickest teams in the NHL, and they are. But you still have to have some physical presence. We saw this the other night in New York where Adam McQuaid got challenged in the first period, answered the bell, and then he challenged McLeod in the third period after what he thought was a bad hit against Grizzlick, I think it was. Yeah, they were talking He jumped him. into McLeod. And you still need that. Kevin Miller brings that as well, by the way. Zidane Chara has always brought oh, it yeah. and, and will bring it. You still have to have some guys, Bacchus is another one, you know, who will jump in there and, and you know, answer the bell physically. Almost everybody on that fourth line will do it. Schaller, mm-hmm. Corrali, they'll all do it. You still have to have some of that. It's not the big, bad Bruins. It's not the big, bad NHL anymore. We all know that. You still have to be able to, to have some physical presence, and they've got that as well. Yeah, and I think this team is a chameleon in a lot of ways. They can, they can sort of they can play the speed game. They can play the physical game. It's just a matter of, of mixing up the lines, if you will, and finding the right balance. But it's speaking of what we talked about earlier, it's tough to find a team that can really give them a lot of fits, I think, in a seven-game series because of how diverse this roster building has really been. And the, the thing yeah, that I love the Back in the most, day, it used to be, oh, the Bruins can't skate with the Canadians. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and by the way, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was true back when they were the big, bad Bruins. Uh, now, they can skate with anybody. Absolutely. It, and, and if you have to play physical, and I know they sucked against Anaheim, but they can, they can still match physically with anybody. They can play the Kings. They can play the Ducks physically. Uh, and, you know, I, I know they've got this bugaboo about the Capitals, but it's not like the Capitals are too big to play against or too fast to play against. They've got to just get over the hump and find a way to beat them. I think it's one, you, once you get that first one, the rest are going to come. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when Lundqvist dominated the Bruins in the beginning, yep. and they hit that stretch, and I think it was 2012, 2011, where they just they started ruining him. Every game it was like four goals against, and they finally sort of brought that back, this last head-to-head with him. But I think what I love about this team the most right now is that they have this, this third line here with Nash, Backus, and, and Heinen that is a true shutdown line in a lot of ways. I, I think that... We talk about the Bergeron line being their shutdown line, but I think at the same time, if you have that second layer, which the Bruins did that game against the Maple Leafs that we've talked about, they shut down the Kadri line. You know, if you take away Matthews and Kadri, the Leafs are, are very vulnerable. They're not, a, they're not a great team, I think, beyond those two lines in a lot of ways, and their defense is suspect. So if you take those weapons away, they're useless. guy like Heinen, you know, who you just mentioned, uh, Marchand gets suspended. He can jump up there to that first line. And not just, you know, fill a role, do the job, look like he belongs there. 
So then Marchand comes back. He goes back to the role, you know, that they've got him slotted in for the moment. And, you know, with Nash and Bacchus, he looks great there. He can play anywhere. And, you know, he can do whatever they need him to do. Basically, any of the th- first three lines, he, well, obviously he could play on the fourth, but you don't want him there. Of he course. could play any place in the first three lines and, and do a good job for you. They've got a lot of versatility in that regard. You know who your first line is because it's the best line in the NHL. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your second and third lines, you could shift and mix and match and do what you wanted to do with those. Yeah, and I think, I think with Heinen, you also have that with Schaller in a way, too, where I don't want him in the second line, per se, but no. you can live with him in the third line. Yeah, you if saw you, him with, if you with, need to. with Nash and Backus. That was, a pretty, that was a pretty heavy line to play against. So I like that, that versatility throughout the roster, and it makes me kind of wonder, do I want to add a body to this mix you know, up front? I, I, I'm on that side where I was looking at the Rangers tonight, and I said, you know who would be a good fit? Michael Grabner. But I don't think I want to pay the price and maybe run the risk of throwing off what you have here. He's a very fast player. He plays all situations. He can be a really good fit for this team. But, again, price has to match, and I don't think it's going to for the Bruins. I'll be curious to see uh, the NBA trading deadline. You know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kobe Altman is blowing up the entire roster to try to, you know, keep LeBron James happy. And Danny Ainge is just sitting there and just sitting there. And he's talking, but he's not doing. And the trade deadline comes and goes, and he's, nah, we're okay. I wonder if Don Sweeney's going to be like that at the NHL trade deadline. I wonder if he's going to look at his team and he's going to say, you know, if I can add a depth piece, okay. Um, you know, I'm willing to do that. Uh, it, it, you know, a guy like McDonough is not a depth piece, obviously. But if I, no. if I wanted to upgrade uh, at that position, okay, I'd consider it. But I'm not sitting here if I'm Don Sweeney thinking, oh, my God, I, I got to get a left wing. I got to get a, a left shot defenseman. I got to get this. I got to get that. You take a look at the way this team's played. What's the one thing you've got to have to contend for a cup? I, I would say there isn't anything. No, it's true. I think the one question you have is on that right side. It, can Spooner keep this up? You know me. I'm a big Spooner guy. I think, I'm not. I know. But he's making a liar out of me. Yeah. I mean, I got to give credit where credit is due. And I know he's always wanted to he's, – he's always said he wants to be in the middle. He wants to play center. He's not as good. No. No, he's, he's not. He's much better on the wing. Yeah. Much better. He's using his speed, and I'll give him credit here. I think he's lacked courage in the past about going to the net. I've seen him do that more this year. Oh, yeah. A lot more. Uh, I have not been high on Spooner. I would have wheeled him out of here on any number of occasions. But right now he's making a liar out of me. He's playing great, and he's, he's contributing. I don't love him on the power play just because he stands off there on that half wall and just doesn't budge sometimes. But it, you can't deny the skill. The skill level's always been there. He frustrates me at times, uh, but, man, he's played much better than I thought he could at this point. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's given you legit pause to say, okay, do you really want to spend a first-round pick, which I know they're willing to deal this year. It seems like they're willing to move a first-round pick this year. They were last year as well uh, if the if the, the right piece comes along. Right. But, you know, I, I do think that there's more, you know, can't, he's not too old to change. He can still be Rich Peverly. It took Peverly a while to get his footing and be become the player that he was yeah, for the he Bruins. he should be better than Rich Peverly, though. Yeah? He should be. I mean, skill level. Of course. His skill level is much better than Rich Peverly. Uh, Rich Peverly got much more out of his game than I've seen Ryan's, uh, than I've seen Spooner get out of his game mm. until this year. I'm finally starting to see him get it out of his game right now. Want to answer some questions from the, sure. uh, from the peeps? Always. All right, so our first question uh, comes from Sassy Blondie One. She wants to know, considering... Ah, damn, that, no wonder I couldn't get that Twitter name. <laughs> I tried. Considering all the young talent in Providence, do the Bruins keep Schaller and or Nash after this season? 
It's a good question because uh, you know we've talked about how young they are, and they're one of the youngest teams in the league, despite the the, the gray beard veterans that they've got on this team. But they've got a lot of kids already playing, and they've got a lot of kids coming through. We mentioned Donato and Frederick, who aren't even pros yet, but are percolating through the system. They've got young players at, at Providence. I think you're going to see Sinitian make a real move to try to get here. You're going to see Zaboral make a move to try to get in here. It's a good question. It's a tough position to put Don Sweeney in. I mean, it's one they always say, oh, that's a problem you like to have. Uh, I think it's a legitimate question, and, and I don't know whether the young guys are going to push some of the guys like Nash, you know, like Schaller, like Corrali, out of, out of jobs here moving forward. Yeah, I think it's tough because I think you don't want to get in the situation of falling in love with your own players, kind of like what Shrelly did, where he was overpaying his fourth-line players by the end of it. At the same time, I don't know if you have an in-house replacement for both those guys. I really don't. I think well, not Cor- yet. I think Corrali could be something similar to Nash, but not exactly as, as strong defensively. Uh, but at the same time, Nash could be very well pricing himself out of Boston. Maybe. So, so that's a real thing. Uh, next question is, uh, they are playing great now. This is from Brandon with a bunch of numbers. Uh, they are playing great now, but how will the March-April leg affect their playoff performance? We kind of went over that. It's but... going to be brutal. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The beauty of it here is you're not going to have to play the legs off of Tuka Rask. And, and the way this thing is going, you may be able to selectively, you know, have Z take a night off, have Patrice take a night off, have Krejci take a night off. Uh, you know, you're not going to be, as, you, as you've been the last few years, you're not going to be battling tooth and nail for every single point just to see if you can get into the playoffs. So, uh, look, the, the schedule is brutal. You know, once you get past this week, it starts to pick up. From the trade deadline through the end of the regular season, it's a bitch. And, and it's a legitimate question. I think the points that they've banked so far is going to allow them to be judicious about how they play these guys. Absolutely, and I think that it, even if they do come back down to earth, they're in more than a comfortable situation where they'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, last question here is, how come the Marshan bergeron Pasternak line doesn't have a name yet? It seems to be the last uh, one that's Doc scored. tried that the other night. Doc Emmerich tried. He called him the Nitro line in the first period. I, was, I said, when did that become a thing? <laughs> and I'm a huge Doc Emmerich fan. He's my mentor. I love the guy. Yeah. I, but I thought, where did that come from? I don't know. You know, we, we talked about this with Jaff and Barry and I have talked about this. And, and Jaff is convinced because we've been trying to come up with a line, a name for the fourth line. Remember, you had the Merlot line. Mm-hmm. But that was simply because they had maroon practice sweaters. It's the only reason they were called the Merlot line. And, you know, we've been trying to come up with a nickname for the fourth line here. And Jaffe says it's got to be organic. It's got to just happen. And you can't be trying to force it. Sorry, Emmerich, you were trying to force Nitro Line on us, and we weren't (laughs) buying it. Uh, I'm not sure. They they don't need a nickname to be a great line because they are a great line. But I'll be damned if I can come up with an alternative either. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the BPM, the beats per minute line, because all their last things, that sucks too. You know, my favorite line ever will always be the cash line up in Ottawa. I thought that was a great name. Yeah. Uh, with Captain Alfredson, Spezza, and Heatley. I love that. I love the 700-pound line as well. That's, that's what they were called, right? 700-pound yeah, line? Yeah, in Philly. Yeah. I mean, I loved that. that and you see, that was organic. Absolutely. They were all gigantic, and you went, oh, my God, look at the size of these guys. Yeah. And, uh, and that's fine. I, ha- I haven't come up with an organic name for the Bruins' first line, and so I'm not going to let Mike Emmerich force Nitro line on me. How about best line in hockey? Works for I, me. Yeah, I, it, it's a little wordy. It's not the, <laughs> a bumper sticker kind of thing. It's accurate. I, I got no argument with, with the thought process, but I haven't come up with a nickname. Yeah, we could do bumper stickers where it's like Pasternak shoots, Bergeron <laughs> scores in the rebound, Marshan elbows someone on the side of the head. I, God, don't let him do that again because <laughs> I'm telling you, he does it again. Yeah. He's getting 10 to 20. 
It's t- it's terrifying to think about it happening in the playoffs too. We we talked about that last episode. It, Where it's, ten it's, becomes five and all that stuff supposedly. Yeah. I'm not sure, given his track record, he's going to get that kind of uh, of leeway from from the NHL player safety. I don't want to be in that situation. Uh, last, lastly, uh, this week, this weekend here, you have some, you have a game against the Sabers. Uh, I mean, I think please don't lose this game. Please don't have Tuukka Rask give up five goals on 25 shots because then then our Twitter mentions are going to be an absolute mess. I'm with you with Rask, even if he takes a slight dip. He still worked his way into the best. I'll be of the curious. I'm not sure. Do you play Tuca Saturday and Hudobin Sunday, or do you flip it? I don't know. I think you play Rask on Saturday because then it's just a absolute guarantee. Because you know, I think if you look at that Sunday game, second leg of back to back, you're in Jersey. They're going to be pissed about the whole Johansson hit. They may come out flying that game, and I think the probabilities indicate you have a greater chance of losing that game than the Buffalo game. So you may as well I don't go. Think you have a great the probability leg. of losing either. I no, mean, it's true. New Jersey is certainly one of the stories in the NHL this year, starting to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, you know, unlike Vegas, who's not ever coming back to earth. It's, an, it's absolutely insane. It makes no sense to me. You know, I, it I've may not make any this. sense, but it, you know, I said Bruins fans accept the reality where your team is. Accept the reality that the Vegas Golden Knights are good, really good. You know, I look. Do I think I think Bruce Cassidy will be a finalist for the Jack Adams Trophy? But I think Gerard Gallant's name is already inscribed on it. It's over. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. Don Sweeney may be a candidate for executive of the year. But George McPhee's already clinched that one as well. Sorry, it's over. It's done. They are good. I've talked to Dave Gosher about this a couple of times, and I said, come on, did you see this coming? He said, hell no. Now, Nobody saw you? this. Nobody saw this coming. We thought, you're going to get to the deadline, and McPhee's going to be trying to figure out, do I trade away James Neal? What can I get in return in terms of draft picks and young prospects? You know, Do I trade away Marc-Andre Fleury? What can I get back in return? They're not going to trade anybody away, nor should they. They're looking at this and saying, we're, right now, we're one of the three best teams in the NHL. Right now, we're the best team in the Western Conference. Why would I take anything away from this team? And if I was the, the Golden Knights, I wouldn't. They're real. Now, barring injury, which is the great equalizer for every team, they're going to be one of the teams to beat in the West. Absolutely, and it's funny because I, I went into the season looking at that roster saying, all right, James Neal, that's a deadline name that I, will, sure. I would be interested in. Now I'm like, no, oh, they're not going to trade him. You know, Same you thing know, with William Carlson. It's, they're not going to move these And guys. you realize just what idiots the Florida Panthers were mm. with Gerard Gallant. Absolutely. You look at what he's doing with the Vegas Golden Knights, and you look at the Florida Panthers, and you're thinking, what the hell were you guys thinking? Yeah. When you decided, yeah, you know what, maybe we'll move on from Gerard here and uh, we'll make the move. I, I, those of us in the game thought it was idiotic when they did it. Now you look at it in hindsight with what he's doing in, in Vegas and you're saying, God, the Panthers were stupid. And especially giving up the players they gave up in the expansion draft with Riley Smith and, and Jonathan Marcheseau. You know, they, they, threw in, they threw in Riley Smith to, to get them to take... Uh, oh, they threw in Marcheseau to get them to take Riley right. Smith, and it's like... And Marcheseau looks like a, a star. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's just every... They've become what the Bruins were for a little bit, where every move seemed to blow up in, blow up in their face. It's, it's, it's not the best place to be in, but if there's anything uh, they, they take comfort in, it's that no one's watching anyways. So, so they're okay down That's in good Florida. Point. Yeah. Uh, Do last... you see what they're doing, by the way, in Florida? What's that? Uh, St. Patrick's Day. Okay. They're, uh, they're combining their game against the Edmonton Oilers. you got Connor McDavid coming to town. I mean, it should be a big deal anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, Conrad Thompson, and something to wrestle with. They're doing a live show <laughs> post-game at the Florida Panthers. And they've offered people a, uh, a, I think it's a $35 ticket, gets you into the hockey game, gets you in to see something to wrestle with, and gets you unlimited beer and sodas. 
What a mess that game is. Oh be. my God! Wrestling fans with unlimited beer. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking? Getting to yell things at Brother Love. Come on, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna happen. I'm not worried about Brother Love. He'll be able to <laughs> handle himself. And by the way, Conrad Thompson's bigger than him anyway. So the uh, going back before we get out of here, who is the what is the first shoe to drop with the New York Rangers? Who is the first player moved? Do you think? Do you think it's Nash? Nash. Do you think it's? I think it'll be Nash, uh, just because that's the cleanest. Uh, the, the, the you know like it may be one of the ancillary parts of, course, but of, yeah. of the, of the, the players pieces, who matter, if you will. Yeah. Nash will be first. I still have a hard time believing McDonough will be dealt. I mean, I still wonder if they can afford to do that. And obviously, King Henrik isn't going anywhere, nor should he. I don't know. Nash would be the guy that I would expect would be the first shoe to drop. I also kind of think that you're going to see things happen here soon, like days. Yes, I, I don't. You saw this the last couple of years where a lot of the deals were made before the trade deadline. And I give Shirelli credit. If you go back to 2011, the cup year, you know, when he made the big deals, he made them a couple of weeks before the trade deadline. They were going on that West, uh, that Western swing, Western Conference road trip, and they had all those guys with them, and they assimilated it into the culture. I think you're going to see teams make moves earlier. I, I, we've got a big trade deadline special on Nesson on, on trade deadline day. I have a feeling it's going to be a dud because I think whatever moves the Bruins are going to make, they will have made before that. Absolutely, and that seems to be the way to do it. I think that's the way you avoid the price or the market becoming inflated or, or in some cases, deflated. You don't want to get into a bidding war. Exactly. You know, for, exactly. for what will probably uh, you know, be a bit part or something. You, exactly. ju- you just don't want to do that. Yeah, and, and if there's one thing we can take comfort in, I think Sweeney's gotten better at the deadline. I think last year the Stafford move sort of spoke to that for more so than the Lyles. And I liked the, the Stafford move last year. I loved it. And, and, and I wouldn't mind a move like that this year, a depth move, a guy who can, you know, come in and play for you if you need him. Not necessarily you're, you're counting on him. Mm-hmm. A, a move like Drew Stafford last year is exactly the kind of move that I think you're going to see Sweeney make. And the trade chips you have, probably Vetrano, I would say Zarnik would be up here for a showcase, in my opinion. He's playing well, but I think he's a classic tweener there where maybe it's Solaric. time for a, I mean, for a there's a lot start. of those names who are on that list as yeah. well. Yeah, so you're not going to get a world beater for those names, you know, and even if you're throwing a first or second round pick. So I don't want to be trading a first round pick for a bit part either. Exactly. For exactly. a depth guy. No, thank you. Yeah, if, it, I, if I trade a first round pick, it's to bring in Ryan McDonough mm-hmm. as part of a package to bring McDonough in, something like that. Absolutely. And I think, I think you've seen that. that Price kind of come down over the years with Stafford. I think it was a fourth or a fifth round pick by the end of it. A lot of conditions added to it, but I think you're That's more fine. apt to I'm, see I'm them do that. I'm perfectly willing to do something like that. Yeah, should be interesting. We'll see. We'll see what they do. Dale, thanks as always. Good to see you again. It's nice to be back. I'm I'm now here for the duration, so uh, we'll be doing this on a weekly basis. I know. I tried finding a fill-in person. There was no one I could even think of. So. So, no one can replace you, my friend. Oh, there's lots of people who could have replaced <laughs> me, believe me. You just couldn't get them to come in here. That was the, the yeah, deal. Yeah, they got to go through security. It's a whole it's a whole. You day couldn't get in the building, I, for Christ's sake. I How do you expect here. you're going to get a guest in here? It's I crazy. mean, you guys who are listening to this podcast, Ty can't talk his way into the building here. Well, first of all, he doesn't have a pass. And I've always thought this is the way I'm going to find out I don't work here anymore again. <laughs> this is not going to work. It's that I'm going to come up and swipe it, and they're going to say, uh, maybe not. Yeah. Ty can't get into the building, and he's trying to convince security downstairs. No, 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 I do work here. Honest to God, I, I, I mean, ignore the fact that I've got a grubby sweatshirt on. I'm doing a, a big-time podcast upstairs. This is better than Bradford's hoodies that he, was, that he wears. Come on. Oh, yet that's your standard? Well, he's my better boss. than Bradford's hoodies. That's what we're going for. <laughs> that's my boss. That's all I got. That's all I got to do. That's my bar. I got to. I got to be better than that bar. Well, I'm good right. news. Virtually anything in your closet beats that bar. <laughs> Poor Rob. All right. Dale, Although he's getting slim always. now, so he's got to get a whole new wardrobe. I'm sure he'll spiff it up. I know. I got to start joining this project like all you guys. It's good. Oh yeah, it's a huge issue for you. I know. There. It's not good. It's not good. 
All right, this has been Zero Pucks Given, presented by Star Market. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll be back at it next week.